What you listening to, son? Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Talking of the Hill, where God has a plan for us, and it involves puppets. I'm your host, Selfish Bull All-Star Bob Mackey, and this is the Talking Simpsons Network's chronological exploration of King of the Hill, who is here with me today. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and I've come down with a case of the YBs. And today's episode is Meet the Manger Babies. You're a good man. Man? Today's episode aired on January 11th, 1998, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. This is Hank Hill with the news. Bobby! Half-Baked is released in theaters, Marvel vs. Capcom 1 is released in arcades, and, since this is such a football episode... In the AFC Championship playoff games, the Denver Broncos win, and Ah. they will go on to Super Bowl 32 in two weeks and win that as well. I have that in my notes because I was wondering how close this was to uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Of course, it did not air then, right? Yeah, it did. No, no, no. And I think Fox had the Super Bowl at this point in time, right? I think so. The the next year in 99 would be when they debut Family Guy and not Futurama. Right. So I think... Unless it was traded around years, I think they had it this year as well, yeah. And would you believe that I've never seen Half-Baked? Oh, seriously? Yes. Never, man. Yes. Uh, you I was not into real ganja man. Uh, yeah, I was not into drug culture ever, but I didn't uh, really understand it in, when I was 16. I did not have any, none of my friends were smoking weed. I didn't actually encounter anyone in my life that smoked weed until my late, uh, mid to late 20s. Mm, you know, I, I actually didn't either until my, uh, well, let's say 19 or 20. I didn't smoke a doobie until, uh, actually it was a bong that I got high off of. But That's a bad uh, first time to smoke anything out of a bong i know i was like no light it for me oh i spilled the oh this is what you did it took like two tries so embarrassing i but uh, that's why i was like can you just give me a thing i eat but (laughs) nobody i knew could cook their own edibles back then they didn't know but but now we have stores But, but I saw Half-Baked because I was properly advertised to on Comedy Central about the film. Mm. I I don't think I knew Dave Chappelle that well as a comedian even then. Like it was, I think his first big special was like the year after that, like Killing Them Softly. But I think I probably saw for Jim Brewer because I was like, yeah, good old Jim Goat Brewer. Boy. Yeah, the Goat Boy. Finally, he's got his own show. So... Unlike most people who watched Half-Baked, I actually saw it in the theaters. It was, for many people, a DVD thing, but I saw it in a very empty theater in Florida with my mom. With uh, your mom? With my mom. Well, because I wasn't old enough to go I alone. See. Like, so she took me and my brother. Uh, there's definitely filthy jokes in there. Uh, a lot about prison rape in that movie. And uh, uh, Bob Saget being dirty for yep. the first time that anyone could remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and also, finally, Willie Nelson could be open about his weed smoking mm. at last yeah <laughs> and music by alf Clausen, one of the few oh. non-simpsons things he did after this i mean during the simpsons that's cool i i always forget that bit it was uh, like this and he did the music for the bet midler sitcom that went nowhere <laughs> that's basically it uh that uh that half-baked look it's uh it's fine it's a good uh, movie i also just think of half-baked because when i saw mitch hedberg open for oh. Harlan Williams. All right, right. I've told the story uh, before, but yeah, when I saw Mitch Hedberg, I went there to see Mitch Hedberg, but he was opening for Harlan Williams, so we were sticking around, and 
every this was at a college and every fucking person was just screaming like do the half-baked line from it Hart williams is not a good comedian so it was only making the night worse like i you i hadn't thought of harlan williams in years henry yes yeah, he's i think we've brought him up before and people have said like well the reason he you don't hear about him much is that he actually got really rich off a kid show and he yeah. doesn't need to do anything else that's so. for the best yeah. that's for the best uh, and marvel vs. capcom one correct yes yeah i i like this one and i think i like it more than the second game uh controversial opinion but i do mm. like in the first game how everyone gets their own backgrounds their own levels yeah and two they're just like ra- random ideas you <laughs> yeah. can fight in no it uh, somebody who cares about marvel history when they don't go basically anywhere that's based on marvel uh instead it's like well that's just a circus like oh a circus but gameplay wise the speed of marvel's capcom 2 i played it way more than one as a kid for this one for me it was growing up with the nes i was like oh mega man's in a fighting game that's really cool mega man can fight wolverine Uh, neat yeah oh man and all the the picture of just the pixelated it was like the last time capcom did truly great pixel art for something i guess really street fighter 3 you maybe is the or the final dark stalkers but the mvc games were basically the end of it and yeah that when we're talking about this i'm hearing want to take for a ride yeah. in my head which is the next game not the first game <laughs> thankfully and yes this episode shockingly this is the last episode of this run of talking to the hill but guess what buddy it's the first week of june we got your money yeah <laughs> you got owned i'm kidding of course we appreciate all of your support but, yeah uh, and we're you're just, gonna get more great stuff this month yes <laughs> of course uh, monthly talking futurama is on the patreon and uh, another uh, miniseries coming in the fall so please don't go anywhere we've got lots of great stuff for you and new surprises all summer who knows what we'll do next mm-hmm. yeah but this is a fun one to end with because it is uh luan centric and i just uh, re-watching season two really solidified for me that luan is like one of my new favorite characters on the show like i i still think i like bill the most and then bobby after that but luan there's just so much beneath the surface with her that they can just explore with yeah i think uh bill does get all of the dumb jokes and luann gets a few but they come from a sweeter place yeah and i yeah. do like exploring her as a tragic character which this uh, episode really gets into because you just want to hug her like you uh bill is pathetic but you don't like he also kind of pushes you away because he's like not only is he pathetic but he's also whiny uh but meanwhile uh, luann the way Brittany murphy plays her like multiple times in this episode that she is confused and lost and that makes her sad and yeah. you're just like oh i'm sorry and it's also we talked about this on the halloween episode weeks ago but it was also a different time in america where things were becoming more secular this is before you know the war on terror and george w bush being a born-again christian being the president and it was interesting for a show to be like no let's look at religion sincerely and not mock a character for being religious like the simpsons yeah. would do which is fun those jokes are funny it's funny to make fun of ned flanders but the show was <laughs> not saying oh luann is stupid because she believes in god yeah yeah and that luann like both in this and halloween one of her only outlets for like a life that is her own is is her church you know and that and yeah the the way the church is portrayed here it's just a small town boring church there's not even like a uh a repressive jerk in charge or anything it's uh yeah like but god just luann everything she says in this episode just makes me laugh so much and this also you know for an episode that is 
sort of about the politics of making television that it's not too in your face with it like oh poochie is one of the funniest episodes of tv ever but it's right in your face of like this is how simpsons is made we're talking about our show it's very very subtle and yeah. I, I do like what they do with it here on and different levels but this episode begins it's a super bowl episode of course and fortunately hank's tv is on the disabled list and uh, the dark truth he tells bobby is that america the greatest country in the history of the world no longer makes TV sets. Yeah, it, I love that he, even though he has to admit that Made in USA is not true for any television in 1998, he still will not say that that is a defeat of America or <laughs> that it's not the best country in the world. And he will not buy a Japanese TV set. He refuses to. You know, do you think he would be more ready to buy say a tcl tv from china or a samsung mm. tv from korea is it is it just that it's japanese or any foreign television i think it's any foreign one but i think he knows brands like sony are foreign maybe if they cover it up because this made me think of uh i i, I talked about this on when i first got on retronauts and people thought i was making it up but you probably had this experience too in that there was xenophobia about japanese things in the 80s mm-hmm. And that's why uh, Sega kind of skirted past their whole Japanese past because families I knew, well, when there was a uh, a Japanese car on the block, you'd be like, oh, my God, they bought a foreign car. What's mm-hmm. going on there? And then uh, <laughs> a family that I knew, which were kind of like the Flanders, is um, they they weren't allowed to have Nintendo because it was Japanese. So Ooh. they bought a Sega. Uh- <laughs> and I, at the time, I didn't know Sega was Japanese. But later I found out, I was like, that family, they, they totally got swindled. They, uh- bought a, they bought a Japanese console. They didn't even know it. If you told them that, they'd be like, those tricky Japanese, they <laughs> got us again. They schemed their way into my house. Uh, yeah. I, well, I think too you you probably I definitely saw that growing up though my my dad for all his um opinions on things he actually didn't seem to care much about buying Japanese he the car we owned my entire life was always a Honda he's I was when I was born he had a Honda Accord and he just if we got a new family car it was a Honda model so he my dad was not so against Japanese things yeah Hondas were just starting to get cool in the late 90s or 2000s and that was a turning point for me I was like I thought people told me these cars were bad growing up yeah. but now everyone is driving uh, a Japanese car if I ever buy another car it's gonna be a Honda baby that's a Honda Fit that's the one I've been eyeing if I ever had one I uh, also I mean the fact on Japanese uh or television's not made in America uh, you're gonna hear me say a thing I don't say much Donald Trump was correct mm. uh but in 2016 so I was looking up how many TVs are made in America or, or are any ever no they are not i but this came up my source was a politifact article which the point of politifact is to exist it's called donald trump a liar but in 2016 in one of his many rambling uh old crazy man speeches he's like america we don't even make the tvs anymore it's uh sorry i don't i (laughs) I hate giving you his voice but politifact was like well is this true and then you're like yeah it is you really there's two companies that call themselves like oh we're an american-based tv company and in both cases from their uh, investigation they either are shipped televisions directly from a factory in china and they put them in an american box or they just get parts made overseas and assemble it here but nowhere in america apparently do they manufacture the parts that are used to make a television that makes sense to me because we don't make anything anymore in america mm. all of our jobs that are not essential jobs are made up it's just yeah. like well i'm a, i'm assistant executive brand manager well and i say this as a person who bought a big tv that's much cheaper than it used to be mm-hmm. americans 
mostly don't want to buy something that would cost what it would cost if you paid an American to make it because we like how things are cheap. We don't want a thing to be expensive. It's true. I do remember, uh, this is an example I always think of all the time, is that uh, the fabled Papa John, the the great pizza magnate, he proudly said that if he gave his employees health insurance, it would cause the price of pizzas to raise a dime, (laughs) and he wouldn't do it. He refused to. Where does it go from there? Yeah, it's... Uh, the that's uh, the different story. The opposite side of it was that Costco guy. I've heard him talk about it on the podcast, right? Of like one guy who owned Costco, he was told by other people like, "We can't keep selling the hot dogs or uh, pizza this cheap." And he's like, "It is key to Costco that we have this cheap thing. If you find a way to make <laughs> it work for a dollar fifty hot dog, it gets them in the door." It gets him in the Got door. Got me in the door. Yeah. Got me in the door. I, I do love Hank's just utter disgust for Bobby when Bobby <laughs> says, can't we just buy a Japanese one? He goes, Bobby, go to your room. Uh, and not even, Hank is so dogmatic about it, he won't even buy a foreign-made part that would go inside his mm. TV because he know, he knows foreign-made. Like that, uh, they, you know, it's it's the gentle xenophobia of Hank that he can't. It's it's more. It's not that he distrusts other countries, it's that he loves America too much to use other. countries. He doesn't want a part of America to die. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so while Hank is being sad about his TV, Luann is sad about other things. Hello, Buckley. What? Uh, oh, of course not. We could go to the outlet stores next week. It's not like they're having a sale or anything. They have everyday low prices. Mm. Why are people so mean, Aunt Peggy? It's been 2,000 years since Jesus was born, but we're still acting like cavemen. Oh, honey. Peggy, we're going shopping for the Super Bowl party, not your feminine items. Diet soda? (laughs) Hank, we have got a situation here. Luann has come down with a bad case of the Y-Me's. Come on, just do something to cheer her up, please. Hey, uh, Luann, me and Bobby are heading over to the Megalo Mart. You want to go for a ride? Is it okay if I don't feel like talking? Sure, why not? (laughs) So, again, uh, the insidious Megalo Mart is working its way into every episode as we've been Uh, talking about this season. That's right. You know what, Hank? Hank should take some of the blame. You know why Made in USA doesn't exist anymore, Hank? You're going to the Megalo Mart and paying Megalo prices. I'm sure because we don't see them there, they put that line in for that reason. It's just like Hank is lamenting about the state of America, but then he's going to Megalo Mart to go shopping. (laughs) Well, that's the, I mean, that is the power of the actual big box retailers because like, a few brands scream heartland of America more than Walmart, but everything you get in there is cheap uh, cheaply made thanks to exploited uh, foreign labor like overseas labor I or well not even overseas like Mexico too but uh, also that line oh man it's been 2000 years since Jesus was born but we're still acting like cavemen mm-hmm. like that cavemen and Jesus like 2000 years ago but cavemen I just uh, it's so funny it's a good and, line and and the sad oh man this is when you from the first scene, you want to feel so bad for Luann because like she's just sitting on the curb in a dress, and they were going to go oh, have fun at the outlet malls. She put on such a nice dress, <laughs> and she's not sitting in a chair. She's like, "No, I have to be." I mean, also, 
I think she's sitting on the edge of the driveway because Buckley will not pull his motorcycle any more into mm. there. He's like, man, I just I'll pick you up on the curb. And again, but. something I like throughout the season is characters repeating things they hear on TV. Her saying <laughs> they have everyday low prices. Oh, that's you're right. God, I love that. Also, also again, poor Luann. You know, she's a good Christian girl who gave it up for Buckley, and he can't. You know, they're having casual premarital sex, and he can't even do one weekend trip to the outlet mall. With Buckley her? doesn't know how good he. Yeah, so Luann is hot, Buckley. Yes. Oh my God, she is ten times. She is five levels of hotness above Buckley. It, this fool, he deserves to die. I'm just gonna say it. That Buckley. As is, as we mentioned before, these have some deleted scenes on the discs, and I noticed that in the deleted scene on these episodes, they they're cut out because they make Hank look like an asshole. Oh, really? so in this one uh, that is cut out of the episode, uh, it's it's implied that Ladybird was gonna ride with them. So Hank has to tell Ladybird it's a false alarm, and then he tells Peggy, "Drive around the block, would you? I can't do everything." Everything around here. Oh man! So because Ladybird can't go with them to Megalomart, Peggy has to drive uh, Ladybird uh, around the block in her car. That shows, yeah. That I I do like Ladybird jokes of Hank, who is you know wouldn't baby his son like this, but for his dog, he's like. Please just drive around the block, my poor dog. Ladybird is so missing from the season because all of the Ladybird scenes are cut. Yeah, I guess you know in season three they start figuring out some things for Ladybird, but you're right, they're not really interested in her in this. I I also love that joke that you think Hank is setting up to say, you know, I don't know tampons or something, but yeah. a feminine item diet is diet cola? soda. <laughs> he, he would never, oh, no man in Hank's mind would drink diet soda. So they're in Hank's truck on the way to Megalomart, and Luann is lamenting about the state of the world, and clearly she's been reading weekly world news because she's saying, look what's happening. <laughs> Aliens are getting autopsies, and devil babies are being born every oh, day. That's so good. I I also love how much she looks up to Hank. Like, it's an early coding of, uh, I mean, I think the point they're making with her in this episode, like in so many others, Luann had no good father figure growing up. Mm. She is now super interested in hank and is searching for like could you tell me i'm good kind of thing and and that also i think is why they write her to have crappy boyfriends like buckley because she just thinks like well men in my life exist to treat me poorly mm-hmm. like or at the very least that's the psychoanalytical reading they are putting on to luann i mean there's a reason that she sees hank as god yes yep 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 and uh so hank points out you know it's up to every one of us to make the world a better place he says take me for example i sell a clean burning energy efficient fuel and then when luann is just searching for something in her life she's like <laughs> do you think i could do that and he starts laughing oh that's so that hank uh, that's so mean of hank to just be like well no obviously you couldn't do it no one could do my job is way, way too hard i i also like too that she uh she just says like you're right you're usually right like yeah and and then hank has to bring everything back to bragging about propane too that's so good and so we swerve into a garage sale where hank finds his deflection coil made in the usa inside an old tv on sale very convenient for hank uh he has to find a dead man's tv i figure that's what he usually does like well somebody died so they're selling their old tv let's see if i can uh scrap it for parts and he goes uh with this in our set the only thing beyond our control is the size of the nfc victory so yeah so i looked into that thank you because afc nfc i've heard these terms i barely know what they mean i know they're conferences yes yeah there's 
is one group of teams that's in the NFC and one group of team that's in the AFC. And then the winners of those championships face each other mm. in the Super Bowl. And, and the Cowboys? The Cowboys are in AFC. Okay. Uh, so, well, that's the funny thing. This also, Cowboys football is important in this episode. But uh, in 96, they had just won the Super Bowl. But now the Cowboys weren't doing as good. But, uh, and please, football person in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong on this. But for my research, in 1998, they were coming off of the NFC winning 13 straight Super Bowls in a row. The AFC mm. team never won. But then in 1997 and in 1998, two weeks after this episode airs, that's when the Broncos start winning and the AFC actually starts having a reign of their own. So Hank's joke is inaccurate this month uh, of him okay. doing it. Maybe he's hoping for a comeback, you know. I think so. So in 97, I, the AFC won, right? Uh, the AFC won with okay, the Broncos. So this is so. probably written right after that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The uh, But so it's a... And apparently at this point, if you're to count all total Super Bowls, it is virtually tied. I think one has won one more Super Bowl than the other. So. And we are starting to get uh, Bill is discussed jokes in this episode they're starting to bring that in and there's a lead scene where they point out how much more disgusting he is and we'll get to that soon but mm. bobby wants to know why they can't just watch it at mr dotrieves because he keeps snacks in his couch cushions <laughs> i hope uh, bobby is not eating those but i think he is i think so i think that joke especially when hank explains the order of doing it i think based on bobby's age that was the first time he got to go to the super bowl party mm. and it was at bill's and he ate things in the couch and then Hank points out that uh, another disaster that happened was uh, Boomhauer's dip was too thick. Yes, yeah, and it, it snapped. I like uh, Hank has no empathy for Joe Theismann. He thinks of him as a man with bird weak bird legs. <laughs> like potato chips they are. Um, uh, and this is when Luann knocks over a box of animal puppets and the manger babies are born. My name is Luann. What's yours? I'm Mr. Cat. Meow, do you do? <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty good with those. Mm, I used to play with the puppets all the time with the social worker. Hey, uh, how much for the puppets? <gasps> you mean it? Well, if it costs 25 cents to make you smile, it's a bargain. Look, Dad, an old wig. <sighs> Bobby, take that off. I'm not saying it was a miracle, Reverend Thomason, but I don't usually trip into boxes. I think God has a plan for me, and it involves puppets. Luann, I, I like the idea of a Christian puppet show, but try to see things from my perspective as the spiritual leader of this congregation. We just laid new carpet in the activities room. You put 30 kids in there and lose their attention. <clears throat> Fruit punch all over my new carpet. I like Maurice LaMarche <laughs> in these uh, kind of muted roles. Yeah, yeah, he's so great. It's like he's... What a great bit of such a calm reverend that he's not saying puppets would demean the message of christ or i'm trying to be serious these puppets are, aren't good for it he's just like i just spent you know two thousand dollars on new carpet if a kid spills on it then it's ruined forever i just can't do it <laughs> and uh, uh, actually before this scene there was a deleted scene that was not on the final episode and that this is where luann gets his, her idea to entertain uh kids with the puppets because we see her at the beauty academy and uh, she's trying to sweep up hair but all these little kids keep running through it one is shoving it in his mouth <laughs> and she uses the cat puppet to tell them that eating hair is wrong and god doesn't like it and then she starts uh, coughing and you 
think she's doing a bit where the cat is hawking up a hairball, but really she's choking on the hair that's in the air. Oh man, that's good. That's so, uh... that's where her idea comes from to entertain the kids with puppets. So there should have been a scene before that where she's actually at the Beauty Academy, which she technically still is in, but we rarely see that in this season. Yeah, that's that's an important. It is kind of without it, it is an A to C move. They give her the line of her saying like uh, that she said it was a miracle she found it as i guess why she's like oh because this was a miracle i came to you reverend with it but it's better to see it done casually in person but i guess this is a packed episode yeah it's, it's hard to cut anything there's a lot going on but i do love luann's pitch to the reverend like you know baby jesus was born in a manger no reaction from him yes yeah he's setting like, it up and uh, uh her idea is that these animals that witness Jesus's birth, their adventures that happen afterwards. Yes, yeah. Uh, this her pitch is what you pitch a TV show with, like how she comes in with this pitch, and the Reverend pokes holes in it. Is like, well, you know, the the animals kind of disappear and never show up again in the thing, and then she uh, then for a bad picture of a tv show that thing from an executive you go like oh well i guess i give up but luann she is on the ball she's like even better because um what <laughs> happened to them after that people would want to know they, they're just think... waiting around like us for jesus to come back they'd have all sorts of crazy adventures yeah i love that i also that when she discovers the puppets that line of like i used to play with puppets all the time with a social social worker, worker yeah Oh, uh, so a lot good. of a lot of therapy a lot of like past experiences are coming out with these puppets especially joe six-pack because oh, there was yeah. a history of drinking in her family for oh, sure yeah yeah no the she what's also cute about it is that luann doesn't realize how all of her inner demons are coming out through these we're not it, well like her personal feelings yeah. are coming out through the the pet uh, manger baby <laughs> and there's a deleted scene in this or deleted tag on this where it, it maybe it's like a bit too on the nose where luann straight out says like these puppets are my chance to do good in the world so oh, reflecting what hank said about what she should be doing or she should be trying to do that's a good line too i kind of wish they kept that i i now a lot of the spirit of this especially mr cat with the meow stuff that's mr rogers like yeah uh, oh yeah like okay so i really love the luann logic that goes into naming all of these things and giving them backstories so there's a uh, reginald the feather bottom the third which is the penguin it's just like you know the very proper british penguin yes. there's obadiah the donkey who just like makes donkey noises and talks there's the cat that talks in cat speak like uh, henrietta pussycat from yes. mr rogers yeah, yeah. and then there's an octopus that just <laughs> gurgle, says gurgle gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> For some reason, the octopus uh, can't talk. The The octopus came in the box. So she's like, well, and an octopus because it was in there. Uh, yeah. the uh, Well, and also like the the Christian puppet show thing, the local Christian puppet show thing is such a constant of American uh, small time TV. Too. Yes. Uh, and to me, nothing is unintentionally funnier than Christian puppets. Uh, as a big fan of found footage, yes. nothing is funnier than getting those really funny clips of Christian puppet shows. I will say there's some found footage ones where I can't watch them because they make me cringe too hard. And mostly it's the Christian ones. That yeah. Do it. Yeah. And that that also I don't think she realizes the implications too of like how you're fucking with a kid's head to have a puppet that they trust say that god something is a sin and you'll <laughs> go to hell uh but but yeah the her with her puppets is just so so funny and sad that she's just so excited the second she has this creative outlet it also shows that luann just like how she is amazing at car repair can just rebuild an entire engine on her own she also can be a fun performer who likes having just silly voices and everything in our next clip she'll pitch this idea to the family 
I call it the Manger Babies. <laughs> We're headlining next week in the activities room. <laughs> manger Babies. <laughs> How do you like that? This is going to be a great show, Luann. I know, but now I've got so much work to do, I have to write a script, build a puppet theater, learn to talk without moving my lips. If you want, you can make a theater out of that old refrigerator box in the garage. I keep it pretty clean. <laughs> oh, Uncle Hank. Thank you. Uh, hey, who said that? <laughs> <laughs> so I like Hank being supportive, and I also like the joke about him not just having an old box in the garage, but also maintaining the old box. Yes, yeah. So he's cleaning his <laughs> old boxes. Most people would throw away that refrigerator box, but he kept it, but he also is cleaning it regularly. I yeah, And such great, like, Southern dad, positive energy, like, how do you manger babies? How do you like that? And there's uh, another deleted bit in here where instead of Hank, you know, he goes, uh, who said that or whatever? He's, he's kidding around with Luann. He's being supportive of her. In this deleted scene, he's kind of a dick once again, where he says, uh, sorry, Luann, but I got Super Bowl fever. The only cure, one Super Bowl. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> just got Super Bowl on the mind. So he's not even being supportive of this idea at all. He's just being like, I only care about the Super Bowl. So yeah, that's what's yeah, going on in his mind. That I, I'm glad they made that change because it works better that he is very supportive of Luann until it comes into contact with the Super Bowl. Then that supersedes it. It's better that instead of him saying throughout the whole time, like, you know, whatever, Super Bowl's coming. I, I whatever is happening with you is meaningless to me. I I also love just the pride that Luann has with such a dumb name as Manger Babies. Yeah. Like and they're not babies either in the <laughs> they're they're adult things. I guess they were babies once when it was important. <laughs> uh and also uh her like like just great that again, the late Brittany Murphy doing silly voices in her Luann voice is so good. And she clearly doesn't care about not moving her mouth when she's on yeah. stage anymore. Oh, uh, I mean, I could deconstruct the whole thing, but the way her performance is such a great joke about performance because the point of doing puppet shows is to hide the artifice. Yeah. Of it. And she stands up. They make the puppet box for her to be able to go below it and be invisible and just have her hands up. You know what? I never thought about that because I've just seen this so many times. I take it for granted that, oh, yeah, on Manger Babies, Luann is just with them. Yes. But instead, yeah, she has a th puppet theater. And then at the end of the first act, she sinks down into it when she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. And she she even takes off the puppet and puts it on in front of the audience. Yeah. Like she she has none of the knowledge of, you know, what professional puppeteers do but that's part of the fun of her that the, the there's an innocence to that uh, <laughs> in the next scene she's building the puppet theater and uh this is the scene that is ripped from mike judge's life the origin of mr anderson and hank hill where it's her wanting to do something and, and doing an okay job at it but then deferring to these middle-aged men for help and they just immediately <laughs> rush at the problem uh, and take over completely uh, yeah i love the bit of all of them just like itching there like like uh going like when is she gonna ask for help so we can just build the whole thing because they respect someone else building stuff so they wouldn't take it away from them but if you ask for help they will then take over like that they they're just such uh handyman i i also you know what else i was thinking of with her uh and her puppeteering was our friend uh, Paparina on his knickknacks videos for Sherry Lewis when he covered yeah. the career of Sherry Lewis. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, a beautiful woman with her her puppets. And especially, I mean, 
he, uh, Obadiah is not too far away from the horse. Oh, character. Charlie horse. Charlie horse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to look up that video because I didn't know about her and her like Las Vegas act with lamb chop. Oh, and man. she was a gorgeous woman too. Yes. Yeah. And her with lamb chop is so funny. And, and on her shows, all the excuses he had to be like, how do I hide my elbow? Like, how do I yeah. make it? And she, unlike Luann, could throw her voice very, very really well. well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we're at Arlen First Methodist, and the uh, Reverend wants to remind everyone that spilling juice on the carpet is a sin, in case you missed his sermon. So he brought this up in his sermon as well. <laughs> uh, which I, I don't know. That's in the, the Bible. But uh, it's it's be very expensive to clean that brand new carpet. And finally, we have the Manger Babies intro. Once upon a time, almost two thousands of years ago, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born in a manger. And in that manger lived the cutest little animals. This is their story. After Jesus left, King Herod came, demanding firstborn sons. He cast an evil spell on them, freezing everyone. He slayed our boat's head nativity scene at a yard sale second hand. They came to life and then, amen, I met the manger babies. There's Obadiah the donkey, he says, yeah. Hosea the cat, meow, meow. And octopus too, gurgle, gurgle. But let's not forget the very British bird, Sir Reginald Featherbottom the third, charmed, I'm sure, governor. They are the major babies getting in trouble. The major babies spreading that message of love. Major babies. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about here, and they, I like how they just let it play for the audience, but what I like about this the most is how quietly sacrilegious it is. I almost say sacrilegious whenever I say sacrilegious <laughs> because of The Simpsons. Uh, it's a funnier word. But just the background story and how, uh, I guess, factually incorrect it is because it's uh, after Jesus left, King Herod came. I think she says King Harold. After Jesus left, yeah. King Herod came, demanding firstborn sons. That happened before the birth of Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Very... It actually didn't happen. But mm. according to the Bible, <laughs> King Herod heard that this savior was coming, this Messiah was coming. But he's like, I'm the king. Round up all the firstborn sons and kill them. Yeah. That happened before the birth of Christ, but it actually didn't happen. I mean, that story makes Christ's divinity more clear instead of just like, no, it's a a mash together of character of people who were messiahs at that time and uh but yeah it's a uh, that she she's like well where do i pull this from where do i get the magic that makes them freeze uh king herod yeah <laughs> yeah so instead of killing the firstborn sons he freezes them and that's how uh luann finds them in a uh, uh, nativity scene i love that she found him i Really love how much he's created the compelling backstory that they have been frozen for almost 2,000 years. She bumped into them. She's like, they came to life. And then, amen, I met the manger babies. <laughs> and uh. the clumsiness of her pitching to the kids what the show is about says, like, manger babies getting into trouble. Manger babies sharing God's message of love. Yeah. Manger babies. <laughs> No verse. Oh, that's so good. Yes, God. And all all her poses, like she turns around and turns back and she has all this like energy, but like, you know, clumsy energy to her. God. And and again, like I said, 
never goes out of sight just always there because i think too she's just she's happy she's like i want to see all the people in the audience i'm i'm here for them and meanwhile hank is distracted by a nail he left sticking out of the puppet theater uh, i love that you know that's almost like a comment on tv creators too because like when you make something you only see the flaws that nobody else notices and it starts driving you crazy yeah it looks poorly on my crash <laughs> and also the only other people who notice it are insiders who are like oh, yeah. okay all the other men were disapproving uh yeah. let's hear the manger baby sketch today's episode going to the movies who wants to go to the movies yeah i do yeah uh-oh there are five of us, and I only have four tickets. One of us blokes could sneak in. What, what? <laughs> Help me out. Is it sneaking wrong? Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. Me <laughs> okay. Let's go. La, 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 la. We're going to the movies. La, 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 la. Yeah, but it reflects la, 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 poorly la, 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 on my craftsmanship. That's all I'm saying. Hank. You're the only one who notices. Here you go. Four tickets. But there are five of you. You were trying to sneak into the movies. You manger babies are in a lot of trouble. Unlocking you in a closet. <laughs> no! No! And that's why you shouldn't sneak into the movies. <laughs> there's so much stuff i love about that uh, luann yes. clearly new to storytelling but i love how when characters need to go somewhere in her stories she actually has to reflect the amount of time they spend so yes. she's like la 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 we're going to the movies uh, la 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 it's good cover for a cut to hank getting lines but yeah just her in the background like la 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 to think that these kids who have terrible attention spans they're watching her with puppets go like la 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 la, la for like just, 20 seconds and how how again uh, i love how low the stakes are for all of this but they're the major baby's great scam is to get one person into the movies for free yeah and then yeah. to be like uh, f- uh five uh, people for the movies wait there are there are only four tickets here so their scam is uh, awful and stupid and not thought through at all a terrible terrible writing on luann's part and that yeah it just ends with them locked in a closet and she's getting notes live i also have to think yeah me too luann was locked in a closet for punishment more than once in her childhood and that's why such a specific punishment is done to the manger babies which that is an extra dark layer on top of that that she's like oh the manger babies well what's the worst punishment that could happen well a thing that happened to me when i was like mm. eight by an abusive parent like, i just like the idea of a movie theater manager locking you in the closet yes <laughs> as yeah. a punishment. uh not that a, but yeah that the the movie theater guy would throw them out like he wouldn't or say like you're banned from this theater but she can't think of that she just thinks well they'd lock him in the closet like how i was punished as a little kid and the storytelling is not working on these kids because they're getting very uh, bored and they want to know what happens next and she cannot improv her way out of the situation. Uh, and uh, they ask if she got out, if they got out of the closet. She goes, sure, I guess. Sure, yeah. And they uh, want to know how. And she's like, how? How? <laughs> uh, and she starts crying. And the act break is her uh, like just sunk down in the puppet booth crying. And meanwhile, Hank has moved his way up to the front row to uh, get rid of that nail or do something with it. But try the, to push the nail in with his shoe. Like that's his 
plan. The sight of him in the front row with all the kids is very funny. Yeah, I love that. I, I love this giant man like sitting in front of all these children. And, and also the cut to the reverend seeing the kids like getting yeah. bored. And the one little the one little fat kid he's been staring <laughs> at the entire time with his cup of juice. He's like, oh, that's good. He's I mean, gonna... just give them the juice before the show, right? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, it's his fault for letting juice be served. Like, you're in charge here, reverend. Don't serve juice. There is an alternate scene in here, again, that makes Hank look like a dickhead in that you actually, so Hank moves to the front row to presumably take care of the nail. In the deleted scene, he kicks the nail in, and in doing that, he startles Luann, and she loses her train of improv thought. Man. So in a way, Hank causes this to happen. Oh, I don't, boy, these these are good edits. They, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hank should only, I much prefer in this episode than Hank, they've done two episodes already in the show like hank doesn't want luann around and he's mean to her this is they're finally past that it's like they've reconnected twice now yeah one in a twister when went one when he made her move out this time just let him be nice to her you know it's good that they take out these scenes of him being worse because it makes him a much better character even if he has a dick later you know yeah yeah i and also very inventive act break that it makes it seem like it all happened in real time and she would like started crying and now it's just been si- like murmuring in her box uh audibly brainstorming what the next scene could be and we come back from the break and Luanne is still trying to figure out how they got out of the closet and meanwhile hank is trying to tell her jimmy the lock open with a coat hanger yes and she doesn't understand <laughs> and uh meanwhile uh, hank decides to come to the rescue and uh save her story I'll save you, manger babies. You will? <clears throat> yes, because uh, I'm the assistant manager of this movie theater. I sell popcorn and popcorn accessories, and you are fired. We're free! We're free! <laughs> Thank you, assistant manager. Meow, can we ever repay you? By never forgetting this lesson, sneaking into the movies is wrong. As wrong as spilling juice on a new carpet. Bravo! Bravo! <laughs> you know, Luann really shouldn't waste this kind of talent on church. If you want, I could show her tape to my boss at Channel 84. He's always looking for quality children's programming and home videos of things blowing up. Well, Luann really could use a boost right now. But I could not take advantage of our friendship like that, no. Oh, Peggy, honey, this is show business. <laughs> That's what friends do. Yeah, I really like that they cut out the nail scene because it makes it seem as if in this final cut, uh, Hank is doing this because he doesn't want Luann to screw up. Yeah, yeah. He's not a- that because he caused the screw up to happen. Yeah, it's not that he feels guilty. It's just he he feels bad for her that she's looking so embarrassed and in front of all these people and it's being filmed by Peggy. Uh, it almost seems too creative for Hank to let's like improv a character, but that he makes it basically himself, yeah. but with popcorn. He has no imagination. He's just like, uh, I guess I could be another assistant manager. Uh, and you know what? He should fire that guy for locking children in a closet. That's that's above and beyond. There, there. is a deleted scene in which Luann is trying to make the scene go on longer, where after he fires the clerk, he says, uh, Luann goes, what about my wife and seven kids? And he goes, Luann, like, <laughs> we're clearly done with this. Oh, uh, that's great. Like, Luann's trying to play. Uh, that's, that's funny. I, I also love Nancy just saying, like, she really shouldn't waste that kind of talent on church that's such a great line and and yeah this is more about show business that it is who you know and cronyism Hmm. i mean greg daniels uh, i think he's a great great writer but 
how'd he get his first job in snl well he was a harvard guy yeah. and harvard guys worked at snl all but, the harvard connections but he's probably did great daniels might be the best writer of that harvard crop i think like based just on pure writing and ability yeah. based on what he's made uh, since then yes for sure at the very least the most productive i mean you'd say his old co-writer conan was pretty high up there too but conan didn't become he i mean he, i guess he writes even when he's hosting the show he's like yeah i'm making something up and that's him being creative but daniel's like more productive than gene reese jeff martin all those guys it makes me think uh, i don't know if i mentioned this before on the show but if there will ever be an office reboot because uh steve carell uh i love him i don't think he's a movie star Man. and especially after welcome to marwen uh <laughs> let's 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 rope it in pal come back <laughs> be michael scott uh, and that uh whatever that dumb politics movie was that john stewart wrote and directed oh like irresistible, irresistible. or irredeemable uh, or whatever no, it was irresistible yeah, yeah. it really was that bad okay well i know because hearing people talk about it, they're like well and of course the end theme song is simply irresistible no. and then the ear and istable disappear in the title and it says resist get it bob i don't like that Do you get it Oh, just throw, want, <laughs> I want to not vote now. Yeah, just throw away all political content from 20, political comedy content from 2016 to 2020. Just be it's like, we're done with it. You know, an yeah. office gym, it's really cute that you think you're Paul Ryan and you like the CIA, but just be the smug guy looking at the camera like, <laughs> you know, I guess the question is if there's going to be an office remake or not, is if office gym gets cast, and I don't want to call him by his real name, if office no. gym gets cast as reed richards or another marvel character then he's locked down in marvel town for a decade so he couldn't do an office mm. reboot but uh you know that the office ends with such a good ending uh they they basically had two finales to that show the michael scott finale and then the real last episode i think they should debase themselves for our amusement <laughs> i mean they some already are they already are doing a podcast as debasing um, as it can get who could uh, who could do that yeah. with their lives disgusting <laughs> uh so we're back at the hill house and uh hank tells bobby it's safe to plug the tv back in and bobby never unplugged it so oh. you know dealing with those tube tvs uh you you can kill yourself yeah. just by touching the wrong thing. They carry so much electricity in them. Ah, oh, man. I love that Bobby realizes he almost killed his father accidentally. And he's like, and, uh, uh, okay. Uh, he just has to mime. I, the little bit he mimes plugging, plugging it back in, the little motion to it is great. That You know, the only big note I'd give on this episode is that Luann getting involved in show business in some way is in no way appealing to Bobby. He doesn't care one way or the other, which that's, that's true, not the yeah. Bobby I know. I guess yeah. Bobby is really sidelined in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's a little fat boy who plays his Game Boy. Like, his main, his main plot point is either talking about snacks or the Game Boy. That's uh, one of two things. He hasn't been fully figured out yet. Sometimes he is like the class clown. Sometimes he's just a lazy boy who uh, wants to play Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Peggy has finished scotch guarding the couch. Uh, scotch guarding, scotch guarding, which I don't think. I, do people still do this? Let me know. Mm, I don't know. I, I haven't ever done it. Maybe I should. I have a washable slip cover because I have a cheap couch from Ikea. Oh, yes. Yeah. You, you're a decade plus on that Ikea couch. Uh, it's on its last legs, and <laughs> I pray that I can move before I, it kills me. It's all, You're only still on it because you don't want to buy a new couch before you eventually move. And yeah. I don't I, I don't want to pay people to take it out of my apartment. It, no, I can't no. do it myself. Yeah. but uh so peggy has finished cleaning the couch and tells uh, tells hank it'd be a lot easier if he just would tell bill to not wipe his hands on the couch <laughs> and so they plan a zone defense around the chips oh that's so great and that's why later 
he is wiping his hands on the couch because Peggy and Luann aren't there to block. That's true. Uh, just again, Bill, they have to, they can't tell Bill not to be a messy slob. So they have to just plan around his ability to get crumbs on his hands. <laughs> I, I like his, uh, Peggy's like, won't he just scramble around the coffee table? He's like, he doesn't have that kind of quickness, Peggy. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, he's, he's reflecting that Bill is not the high school athlete he mm. used to be. He's not the bulldozer anymore. The bulldozer. Yeah. So there's another deleted scene in which it makes Hank look like an asshole again. So ah. they're, they're cutting out all the scenes where Hank is a jerk. So, when uh, when Peggy tells Hank, why don't you tell Bill to not wipe his hands on the couch? Instead of saying, let's plan our defense, he says, why don't I ask him to wipe his feet before coming in? Why don't I ask him to shower and brush his teeth? Why don't I just ask Dale to not smoke in our bedroom? And then he apologizes to Peggy. He's like, I'm under a lot of pressure. I'm sorry for yelling at you. That is a real snap at her. I wouldn't have liked that because him being that mean to her. But the details are that like Bill is filthy and gross all the time. Like He stinks awful. They're not this early in the series. They're not ready to make bill this disgusting in a few years he will be uh and that dale the specific that dale not only smokes in the house but that he goes into their bedroom which when you're a guest at someone's house unless they're bath the only times i've ever gone through someone's bedroom when i'm a guest in their house is they're like oh the other bathroom's not free i guess just go through the bedroom and use that bathroom otherwise you're not supposed to go in someone's bedroom when you're a guest i think it's implied that hank asked dale to go outside instead of going outside he just goes in another room and smokes totally, cigarettes totally. yeah god he thinks like oh i'm getting away with it yeah <laughs> luann comes out and asks peggy to move her car out of the garage because it's practice time for her puppet show and Luann tells Hank that uh, she wrote a role for him, and uh, it's God. Yeah, she describes as the greatest hero of them all, <laughs> which is not like God. God controls everything. He's not the hero. It's funny to say that about God, not Jesus, but God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, one thing I didn't mention earlier is during the first sketch is that it's also like a joke about bad writing in that Hank is the Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> character and it's, it's it's perfect for him to play god because he just shows up and solves the problem with no setup at all oh my god that that is right. why it's so perfectly about bad writing it's because he oh. is the god character and that he just comes out of nowhere to solve the problem at the end oh bob thank you uh -huh. for, I aren't i so smart uh, oh man that is such a great that instead of having a person give her the note that in the original uh in the first thing that she did Hank showing up to solve all their problems was, you know, stylistically the deus ex machina. But then Nguyen, her lesson was, I should have just made that literally God who literally solves everything. She must be thinking, oh, storytelling is easy. Uh, just have God show up and fix the problem. And that's what her manger baby's, uh, you know, episodic structure will be like. They'll be into they'll get into a problem and God will show up and fix it. Oh, that's so good, man. They this is such a smart parody of storytelling stuff i love that so much like it's not it's not all in your face that sounds like a snide comedy writer saying my job's actually really hard you know and it's also again quietly sacrilegious because hank is literally playing god oh. and dressing up as god i love that both hank and peggy seemingly are offended at these ideas and then they're like no 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 that's great like how when Bobby compares himself to Jesus, Peggy is only mad. She's like, don't assume that. Let Luann <laughs> cast you as Jesus if he, she does. Let's hear Hank playing God. God? Sure. Well, you're great as the hero of my last show, so I figured, why not have you play the greatest hero of them all? <laughs> Tell you what, Luann, uh, just as soon as I finish turning beer into water, I'll meet you in the garage. <laughs> great. 
Uh, she made me God. <laughs> hey, if you're God, I guess that makes me Jesus. <gasps> Bobby, honey, you really shouldn't say that. That is for Luann to decide. <laughs> Let there be light. And it was good. Yeah, that's super, Uncle Hank, but can we get back to the script? We're at the part where you meet your arch enemy. Bobby's G.I. Joe? Joe Sixpack. Now, he's a drunk driver who died in a car crash and was sent to hell. <laughs> and then he borrowed Satan's pickup truck without asking and trashed it, so he got kicked out of hell. And now he roams the earth riding buses and doing evil, like he won't call you on your birthday and he throws beer bottles at your head. <laughs> what? He crashed a truck? You will feel my wrath. <laughs> That's got to be a Beavis and Butthead reference, right? Yes, yeah. The, the way he laughs like that, there's no other uh, reason why they would end the scene on that laughter. Totally, that kind of laughter. totally. And also how he says, uh, and it was good. Like that That definitely sounds like a Butthead pronouncement. A, a come to well. Butthead style. Yeah, uh, but but like you, you hinted at before, Joe Sixpack is her dad definitely yeah, yeah it's they're just, uh where they're uh of not calling you on your birthday and throwing beer <laughs> bottles at your those head are the two evil things he does yes yeah <laughs> uh and then also that hank is most offended that he broke he crashed a truck like that that's so wasteful and i love the posing on luann with the puppets on her hand but she's in full hollywood producer posture of like script in like now, uh, now. Yeah. the script says here like that's great Hank is offended that uh, he crashed the devil's pickup truck, though. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, isn't that good? Shouldn't you want to destroy the devil's pickup truck? Sounds sounds like Joe Sixpack, you know, the ends justify the means there, I'd say. <laughs> so Hank comes out into the alley with his uh, god beard still on, and Dale wants to know what Grandpa's throwing out, the money he poured into the social security system. <laughs> and uh, he explains to everybody how he's playing God, and Bill is asking God who's going to win the Super Bowl, and Dale points out it was filmed uh, six months ago in the same hangar where they filmed the moon landing and uh that's probably the first time i heard anything about that conspiracy theory the uh i think so there's no mention of kubrick which was what would become that conspiracy theory though stanley kubrick filmed the moon landing and there are references to it in the shining <laughs> i remember in the uh probably right after this like fox did a special of was the moon landing faked and then they disprove a bunch of the main arguments of it at the time and i just remember it because after it aired, I went to my art class at high school and the art teacher who was a very like a uh, nerdy uh, art lover, one of the other students was like, I just watched this mood landing thing last night. You know, it's all faked. And then the guy goes off, the teacher goes off uh, on like a uh, 10 minute uh, tangent uh, of like, people have been trying to say it's fake for 30 years. It is not fake. I have all this proof. And he, I was like, whoa, you you touched a raw nerve with that fake mood landing. Thing. Uh, from what I've heard, the latest film Godzilla versus King Kong confirms the hollow earth theory though. It does. That it is does. correct. Yeah. It's actually real. Uh, the uh, podcaster in that film he uh he it proves that most he's on old conspiracies though so he's a conspiracy podcaster but he talks about like oh fluoride in the water and and stuff like that and faking the moon landing i was like you are 800 conspiracies ago this is like for this movie where joe rogan started exactly yes yeah the, 10 years ago if you watch ancient joe rogan comedy he's he's talking about false flags or whatever it's like that is so so 1999 uh that also the podcaster in that movie Look, are there some cheap jokes about podcasting for sure? But if you haven't seen the movie yet, skip ahead for 10 seconds. 
But his last line in the movie is asking someone to be a guest on his podcast. And I have to say that was very correct. That's how I'm going out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in response to that moon landing clip, Boomhauer babbles something about Capricorn One, which is a movie I've, I've heard of in passing, but I didn't know what it was about. And so it's a 1978 thriller about faking a Mars landing. O.J. Simpson is in it. And the story goes that these guys are about to go off to Mars, these astronauts. But then at the last second, they're pulled off the uh, shuttle. There's something wrong with it. For the sake of America, you we have to fake this now wow so that is what the entire movie is about i've never seen it it sounds fun but uh yeah that's capricorn one wow okay i i like that in boomhauer's mumbling he both is complimenting the film capricorn one but also says obviously it's fake and that you have to respect neil armstrong i i love that (laughs) and and there is a joke in which uh bill's hygiene is called into question because he's like only four more days till the super bowl and then hank says no it's three days (laughs) and he pulls off his one shirt that says four days till the super bowl and there's one under it that says three days till the super bowl he's wearing so implying that he's probably wearing four shirts at once then at least for the four countdown and leaving them on (laughs) yeah that do you think he started the week with seven shirts on and he's been slowly peeling them away (laughs) i think so and they're just not commenting (laughs) on it uh and also bill doesn't know it's four days until he looks down at his shirt and Mm. says it's only Four days. That's how he's keeping track of time now. <laughs> uh, so in our next clip, Luann gets her big break. God's not angry on that line. He's vengeful. Let's try it again, <laughs> Luann. It's the TV station. <laughs> Hello? Mm-hmm. Oh, Hank, look how excited she is. You know, just a few days ago, she was talking like, like the world was coming to an end. You're a good man. Man? <laughs> <laughs> we did it! We did it! Channel 84 is putting major babies on the air. It's UHF, Uncle Hank. Ultra high frequency. Oh, Luann, you have thrust your hands into something wonderful this time. We better get back to work. We've got a whole hour to fill on Sunday. Well, that doesn't give us much time to get ready. I mean, Sunday is... Sunday? Now, is that before or after the Super Bowl? During. Can you believe it? They put us on against the highest-rated television event of the year because they know we're the one show that can beat it. (laughs) It's a huge responsibility, but I know I could do it with God on my side. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great. Yeah, and I like, again, uh, the low stakes of the show. Sorry if I keep repeating myself, is that the big break for Luann is uh, getting aired on a UHF station, a Christian puppet show during the Super Bowl. I think it's assumed that they don't know who Luann is, just say, oh, this is the least advertised portion in our entire schedule. Just let her do whatever she wants. Yeah, it's like this is, it may as well not happen. No one will watch this, so screw it. Just put her there. Who cares? Yeah. And UHF, <laughs> by the way, uh, these are all forgotten things because broadcast TV is gone forever now after the uh, the changeover. But UHF, uh, ultra-high frequency, uh, a lower tier than VHF, mm. I believe, and that means that it, with UHF stations, the signal did not go as far, which is why the Weird Al movie UHF is meant to imply it's a low-frequency TV station that does not go a lot of places. Unpopular and not watched. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was barely, uh, n- like, the meaning of that title was barely known at the time. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't known in overseas either, so they had to call that, uh, I think in, like, France and other territories, it was called the Vidiot or the Vidiot from UHF. And now mm. the title is meaningless, but yeah, yeah. you have to just know that UHF means like it's a low powered broadcast station that's not getting to a lot of places. I my favorite parts of UHF are when it has 
has this the local TV show energy to it. That movie, uh, otherwise, the the parts where it's like, oh, now it's just like a parody of a movie or like uh, Weird Al's character has a Donahue show on it. I'm like, eh, that kind of gets away from the spirit of UHF. But when they have the twin guys who look like Popeye going, that feels like UHF. One of those guys is married to Bette Midler. What? Yes. Wow. I did not know. It's a real comedy act and it's very weird. Man, that is so. The Kipper Kids. The Kipper Kipper Kids. kids. Wow, man. Uh, I mean, uh, I can go off of it. This is not related (laughs) to UHF, but I just thinking, hearing UHF, I think of the movie. Sex with furniture. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> that's the Donahue segment, uh, or Geraldo Rivera, or Morton Downey show. I, I like when he crushes the head of the KKK guy. Like it yeah. just collapses empty the hood. Yeah, but that Luann thinks ultra high frequency means it's the best. She's like, yeah, it's the best ultra high frequency. And also, I feel like that is a in a joke her, about giving a line reading like no no no, he's not angry there he's vengeful <laughs> like i bet britney has been told like no no no, luann in this scene is sad she's not mournful or whatever she's naive know? she's not stupid yes yeah i i think that's probably her goofing on line read she had been given by greg daniels <laughs> So we come back for this last act and Hank is coming in very sheepish about, you know, letting her down. And she realizes her octopus only has six legs, but is reluctant to call him a sextopus because it would offend sensibilities. <laughs> so funny how she says, offend sensibilities. That's so good. And he's really skirting around uh, this whole thing. So Hank goes, you know, oh, I'm sure you'll figure it out before Super Sunday. I call it Super Sunday because that's when they play the Super Bowl this Sunday yeah she's clearly not understanding any of it and this yeah. is when he backs out of the show completely oh poor Luann she's just destroyed this is as far as she cares this is God forsaking her this is the one father figure she's ever liked or uh, has been supportive to her too in this version of the show and he's just pulling away she's just broken by and you feel so bad for her there and i like that hank is also feeling bad about this he's not just like whatever luann i'm gonna do my thing now and because she asked him are you not gonna be there he's like oh no i'm not saying that there could be a terrorist attack <laughs> yeah. or uh, uh, what was the other excuse he gives oh it could end early due to injury you never yeah. know yeah you never know but the, the super bowl always runs a long time i don't think anything has ever stopped it before maybe weather ones but but it is nice to be the hank is not so callous that he's like yeah i'm abandoning you shut up i'm I'm leaving he's just like well no 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 i'm not actually doing this he he feels too much guilt to actually say like no i am leaving you for this party well poor luann another like father figure is just lying to her of just like um well no i'm not really backing out because what if it did end early then i'm going so it's not so bad it's like no you're lying just say at least have the guts hank to tell her you're not doing it and we come back to the kitchen and Hank is now testing out his chip snapping potential of this dip that he's making. And <laughs> That's a good joke. Hank is a real nerd. I buy pre-made chip dip and I just got some. Uh, I, have, I buy chip dip like once a year, but I must recommend the hell of a good chip dip. It's great. Mm, okay. The potato chip dip is great. That sounds good. I I also like to find out Peggy, Peggy bets on football. Oh, no, this is a golf tournament. I'll go more into oh, it after well, this next yes. clip. Okay. Don't you think I want to miss the Super Bowl? No, sir. I've got enough money on this game to cover the bath I took on the Donna Shore Classic. But I will sit through that puppet show because Luann asked me to. Oh, come on. I'll be God some other time, like uh, Easter. That's during baseball season. Who cares? Hank, Luann believes in you. How can you allow suffering in her world when you have the power to prevent it? Suffering is a part of every religion, Peggy. I mean, look at what the Jews have been through, and you never hear them complaining. 
So yeah. all very good jokes. Uh, Dinosaur Classic uh, was a women's golf tournament that started in 1972, and it's now called the ANA Inspiration. And Dinosaur was an uh, early television entertainer. I believe she was on the radio as well, and she was one of the first like professional women golfers. Yes, yeah, yeah. She uh, the the ANA. I looked that, that up too. It's like that is the Japanese airline. Like it's oh uh, really yeah. okay. <laughs> I think uh, it it's interesting that they are paying for what is. I mean it it is the longest i believe it's the oldest women's golf tournament in the world i think so yeah. it's had several names but at this point it was still dinosaur classic i think in 2002 it was renamed also it's funny that peggy is into that because this was not public knowledge at the time uh i only learned it from you know knowing about gay things uh, but it is also a major destination for lesbian tourists lesbian golfers yes yeah what uh it was it was called like you know the biggest gathering of women who love women the Mm. world over there's an episode of the L word that was just about going to dinosaur week. It's an entire week of things you do around the dinosaur classic though. Of course, not promoted by the dinosaur uh, people because you know, they, they really want to deny the, that (laughs) some women who play sports might be gay. But yeah, I found out that for, it was known as like one of the lesbian hotspots around the world. Hmm, Okay. I did not know that dinosaur (laughs) all sounds like dinosaur. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Is fun. I like yeah. that. Maybe the lesbians just like dinosaurs. They all should. Uh, so this next joke, I feel like, is too similar to a Simpsons joke that did it better in that they're standing for the singing of the national anthem uh, in their living room. So it's very, very funny that they're actually standing in their living room for the yeah, national anthem. Yeah, they respect the flag that much that even while no one's watching, but just their friends. And I especially think, like, why would Dale care about America? But he takes his hat <laughs> off. I think. Yeah. They all crack their beers when it's over, and but they, you find out they were betting on the national anthem, and it went on for three minutes and forty seconds. And so, like the, in The Simpsons, it's another joke about how singers embellish the national anthem. Yeah. And then uh, it was Boomhauer who won, too. Mm-hmm. He got the, the pile of money. I, I also love the bit that Hank, you know, Hank doesn't not like baseball, but from a gambling or intensity of sports thing, April baseball is kind of meaningless. Really, it doesn't matter until you're like August, I think, with baseball. And from what I know about baseball is that like there are a lot of games. In football, there are way fewer games and they all seem very important yeah. because you can't actually play a lot of football games because it destroys your body. Yeah, meanwhile, if you go to a baseball game, if your team loses, you don't even think like, well, they blew it for the season. You just go like, well, that was one game out of 100 or whatever. Who cares? They could still get in the World Series. Like, I've... Uh, the biggest danger I have going to baseball games is if I stay to the ninth inning, it usually ties. And then I'm like, oh, just <laughs> one more inning. And it just turns into this test. And then the last time I stuck around until they finally ended the tie, like inning 14, they lost anyway. I was like, God, so I got to stay here an extra hour to see them lose. Getting old is all about being done with an event about 75% of the way through it. Just like, you yes. know what? I got this band's music at home and uh, this triple encore is really killing my back. <laughs> Let's get uh, out of here. Yeah. Well, also, you know, you got to beat that traffic. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. In, when I've gone to games in Oakland or shows in Oakland, it's just like if I don't try to beat the traffic, it's me and every other person who was in that theater at the BART station all waiting for like, well, once four cars, come, four different trains, I'll finally be able to get on this. Yeah. 
So Peggy comes out with Luann and they're about to go to the TV station and she's wearing her boggle jacket, which seems very hard <laughs> to animate, which is why it doesn't come back that often. Oh, that's fun, though. She's like, it's a little cold. I'll put on my boggle jacket. And she tells Hank to enjoy the selfish bowl. And then they're at the TV station and Peggy is helping uh, Luann get ready. And Peggy has a feeling Hank won't show up. So she's trying to let Luann down easy and saying, you know, uh... If, if Hank isn't here, it doesn't mean the world's a bad place. And Luann goes, oh, yes, it does. I love that. So just like... very matter-of-factly, just saying, oh, yeah, the, I, this, this will confirm for me. It's all riding on this. And this is the point in the story where you have to think, this is when Peggy decides, I have to go fuck with Hank yeah. or else Luann will lose all faith in the world. So <laughs> all, really, but, yeah. Peggy is the hero of the story on Sun. Absolutely, yeah. She is the the visible hand of God do, uh, moving all this around. I mean, I love how she just has given up like peggy had said earlier oh i thought you know i'm so happy for this i thought she'd thought there's nothing good in the world and now she's seeing that luann thinks that once more and you know i don't think she thinks luann will self-harm but she will at the very least make terrible decisions in her life because yeah. like who cares there's she does no not God. need uh the cruelty of the word conf- uh, confirmed to her anymore the cruelty yeah. of the world sorry <laughs> yeah. uh so uh there's a deleted scene in this i believe a bit in that luann goes on a bit further just the joke about luann not being be- not being very bright and she says uh oh yeah uncle hank is testing my faith and i've got the patience of job so she says job instead of job yeah. and that's the joke it's that's it's a little okay. it's a little too like nah, the first first drafty for this kind of character choice yeah that's all it's also like too dumb i think so i think so uh so we go back to the the hill house uh bill wipes his hand on the couch and we see him get up to use the bathroom and there's just like big stains where his hands Uh, were i do like he celebrates it like i made it to the commercials (laughs) like he had successfully held in his bodily needs until the commercials and uh dale when bill gets up to use the bathroom there's a deleted scene in which dale tells bill that right now 200 million americans are headed to the bathroom and no sewer system can handle that and he says in 60 (laughs) seconds there will be a backflush of apocalyptic proportions (laughs) that's good I like and that. Uh, Bill's response is one more flush will make a difference. It's just like voting. So ah, that's funny. I like so that. I, we, they should have kept that. And what we do get is uh, Hank Hill saying, what do Tina Turner's legs have to do with auto insurance? <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know if that was a reference to a commercial. I couldn't find it, but I did. I do know that Tina Turner's legs were insured. It's like one of those uh, things like, oh, yes. her, her fingernails are insured by Lloyd's of London. Like one of those stories you hear. That's her right. legs were insured. Okay. I do remember that story now. So that must be then just a joke of like for the Super Bowl this year, the insurance company is advertising that her le- with her legs. Mm-hmm. That's uh, instead by the 2000 or so insurance companies just had the ads that were like completely meaningless of just like a whale and a, f- a bird fly. This fun lizard is here to talk to you, <laughs> and here's a uh, flow, right? Oh yeah, she's here yeah, too. That's true. Yeah, I uh, the Tina Turner in 2000 would perform at the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, these but these jokes about Super Bowl commercials, they couldn't imagine uh, how much crazier Super Bowl commercials would be. No, it's like the return of all your favorite IP now, right? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did, well, this year, Marty, we got to get direct TV, Marty. It's a great deal. Yeah. This year featured Big Bird and Wayne and Garth oh telling God. us about ordering out. Yep. And, <sighs> Please, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't. Big Bird, uh, just lock him up. It's over. Uh, and also, the uh, I remember the Bud Light 
did an Avengers Endgame, but for characters who were in Bud Light commercials. Mm. Like it was all of the Bud Light characters assemble who were ever in a Bud Light commercial. Cedric the Entertainer, the guy on the telephone, uh, the the Boba Fett looking guy. They're all here. You know, I missed like 20 years worth of Super Bowl commercials, so I'm kind of behind on uh, these character rosters. I watched a handful of them. The I every year I, I like to stay in the know. The did you see the one this year, Bob? Of the uh, Edward Scissorhands Jr. commercial? No. Oh, man. No. Well, oh. uh, they got Winona Ryder back, but not Johnny <sighs> Depp. And, you know, I heard about this, yes. but I didn't want to see it because I love that movie. I just rewatched it over the holidays. I still love it a lot. It makes me cry like a baby. Please continue. Sorry. Uh, well, did you see who plays Jr. in it? Oh, it's uh, well, I think it's good casting. It's Timothy Chalamet. Sure, he's sure, the, yeah. sure. He's the Johnny Depp of now with none of the baggage. He's just a cute little boy so, who with no problems and wine addiction. What part of the movie do they ruin? Uh, well, basically, they live on the same street they used to live in, and she talks about how uh, now that they have a kid, uh, but the uh, Edward Senior is nowhere to be seen. He needs car insurance or uh, a safe car to drive with his scissor hands. No, the point of the movie is that he cannot be accepted because society is too cruel and he makes it snow for everybody and it's beautiful and she becomes an old woman and she marries somebody else uh, because well, he's too pure for this world. Well, unfortunately, that's not that. Then the non-canonical commercial then takes that away, uh, I guess. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> uh, so back to this. Uh, so this is when the TV starts going on the fritz and we go back to Nancy's channel she's talking about the weather and the upcoming premiere of the manger babies and dale is very upset by this and he says if i wanted to spend super bowl sunday staring at my wife i would have married fran tarkington that's a funny line fran tarkington's a great name i also you know they don't play they don't mention it enough hank should be saying like oh my tv's on the fritz because he's been repairing it all episode they don't really connect it mm. to him thinking like oh my tv's shorting out because i've been fixing it and clearly something's wrong I, th I think maybe they just trust the viewer enough to be like well hank has been repairing his tv for like half the show so this could be a result of that they leave it to you to assume yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, we go back to the uh, the studio and Hank is praying and uh, a man comes up behind her and taps her on the shoulder. She thinks it's Hank, but it's actually the stage manager telling her she's on in five. Oh, that's so she. Uncle Hank. Oh, uh, that. And then also like that she was praying five seconds before she's about to go on the air. I, I like that, too. <laughs> and we're cutting back and forth to the station and to the studio. And uh, they cut back to the Hill House and they miss the touchdown. But Bill's happy. They get to see the end of his own dance. He kind of mimes it a bit. His and hair goes to the wrong color during that oh dance. it does it's a lighter shade of hmm. brown yeah and hank uh swears he's not the one doing this and we get some more major babies in our next clip come on major babies i'll give you a ride we don't need it god is the designated driver tonight god doesn't care about you how can you say that god does care and he will show it <laughs> this is getting old hank it's not me. I, it's this damn remote control. Bill must have dripped crumbs in it or something. Maybe God had a flat tire or... What the hell is going on? <laughs> All I know is this is the part of the movie where I start thinking, why don't they just get out of the house? Don't be an idiot, Luann. God's not coming. He's watching the Super Bowl. Now get in. We better do what he says. Well, he is our only ride. <laughs> oh. 
Luann, no! Don't get in the car! Oh, that's so... I mean, first off, I think Luann is definitely doing an impersonation of her father. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. yeah, like, he doesn't care about you. Oh, and God, just the way he's like, she says, he is her only ride. <laughs> like, that's the justifications he's probably made of like, well, he is my only ride out of here about some guy she dated. And uh, Luann is very thinly disguising God as Hank because she's not even trying. She's like, well, God isn't here because he's watching the Super Bowl. And yeah. maybe God got a flat tire on the way over here. Uh, what are the children in the At least she's doing it in front of children. But like, what are they thinking with all this? It, it's funny to think of this as uh, her doing this in front of children, because uh, at this point, uh, the manger babies are in the car with Joe Sixpack. She's moving it back and forth. And uh, one of them says, I think it's the donkey. Uh, he says, if God doesn't get here soon, we're all going to die. And then Lord Featherbottom says, maybe it's best that we do die. Who wants to live in a world without God? Oh, God. And, and that's when she tells Joe Sixpack to point the car at the oncoming headlights. So oh. there's going to be like a mass suicide of manger babies in front of these children. And the, she's telling the kids there's no God. Yeah. The, so the, it's going the, to warp all of these children if Hank doesn't get there as well. That's what also is at stake here the cuts to all the kids watching it are just like what like yeah that yeah it's great that joe sixpack in her story doesn't just go to be a drunk guy who threatens your life by driving with him but he they're just now accepting like then just kill me i want to yeah, die there's like, no I, god i don't want to live in this world uh, uh let's have a violent gory death to hear feather bottom especially the be the characters like live in a world without god <laughs> so in our next uh very long clip the episode wraps up oh my god yes i have come oh, thank you uncle lord we never stop believing in you. The manger baby's faith has been rewarded. You are all saved. <laughs> and as for you, Joe Sixpack, anyone who drinks and drives is a real jackass. Hey! <laughs> so, Hank? How does it feel doing the right thing? Pretty good, I guess. Of course, not as good as getting to watch the end of the Super Bowl. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl's always a blowout. But this puppet show, it was a real knuckle biter. Oh, my Lord, it's Troy Aikman. What are you doing here, son, uh, uh, sir? <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny story. Some guys were snapping <laughs> towels in the locker room, so I went to Bible study to get some perspective on it. And I saw a flyer for this puppet show. Sort of a little miracle, I guess. You know, it was kind of a miracle that brought me here, too. You see, I was watching my TV, and it started flipping channels. Mom, I hope you don't mind, but I borrowed the batteries from your remote control. What remote control? Uh, I, I don't have a remote control. Sure you do, in your purse. The universal remote that can change the channel on any brand of television. I borrowed the batteries from my Game Boy. When? Before the Super Bowl. But if the remote had no batteries... How did I? Or after the Super Bowl. I don't remember. <laughs> it's a very Greg Daniels ending of going like, yeah, eh, or it was after and there is no miracle. That Troy yeah. Aikman thing is very funny because it feels like, uh, I don't know the story behind this, but it feels like Fox was like, guys, we got you, Troy Aikman. You got to put him in your Super Bowl show. And, and then Greg Daniels was like, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, and it amounts to just a, a weird uh, celebrity thing where celebrities really just walk on. And it's like, wow, it's Troy Aikman. But I like how underplayed it is and how he should not be there for any reason. Yeah, they, he calls it a miracle because it's impossible that he would be there. There's no reason 
and and it's only so they could say like and and the Super Bowl's on Fox and we've got Troy Aikman on King of the Hill. Get ready for the Super Bowl. I also like when he says, I was double checking this on the scoreboards here. Uh, when he says, ah, it's always a blowout. The three times his Cowboys won the Super Bowl, they were blowouts. <laughs> he, like the first time he won the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 27, it was 52 to 17. So they, the Cowboys really skunked him there. But, I didn't know that. So uh, when he says they're always a blowout, that's him joking about how usually. Lots of people after the first half would go in his games would say, well, the Cowboys are obviously winning. Who cares? I'm not watching the rest of this game. I got other things to do. Uh, we were talking about it before the show, but a very funny line that you have to think about is that when, uh, so before Hank shows up, Luann is just like, okay, God, there's no God. Let's all die together. Yes. And then Hank shows up and she says, I've always believed in you. I never stopped believing in you, which is contradictory to what just happened in the show. Everything that has happened this entire time. She's like, oh, I never stopped believing in you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, also, the Troy Aikman was activated by seeing like locker room horseplay. He's like, oh, that felt <laughs> strange. I need to talk to my minister about it. He's uh now uh troy aikman is looking up i don't know how religious he is but i do know he's now married to like the ex-wife of the nephew of jerry jones who owns the cowboys wow. it's a very incestuous uh that's complicated there yeah and i think that if this was written maybe a year later or maybe in season four even that peggy could not resist taking credit for this absolutely and the line that i would write if i was writing this was uh her saying uh you know hank Peggy Hill works in mysterious ways. Yes, yeah. That's my punch up for this. But hey, Peggy's too meek. I think she's too humble. She would be so proud of herself for setting all of this up. Season two, Peggy's not proud enough of herself. Yeah, like she she is more about working silently. She should be trying to take credit. They, you know, it's not until the episode we did for what a cartoon is Sleeping Dogs that Peggy has really becomes the very full of herself and kind of. Uh, clueless person that she is there's a bit of the pride in this and that she is kind of like uh she's virtue signaling kind of in a way when she's like i am going to this thing because luann asked me and i'm a good person that's right yeah she is doing it to rub it in hank's face that he isn't doing it yeah and that uh, he could easily do it but won't and there's an alternate ending of this that i found confusing in that in this uh in the way that it is just now is that Bobby says he removed the batteries from the remote and then the the clouds part. And when Peggy asks him, when did you take out the batteries? He says, but before the Super Bowl or after, I don't remember, the clouds come back together. Oh. In the alternate ending, it's different. It's that the cloud stuff doesn't happen at all. Mm. After Bobby says, I don't remember, that's when the clouds part and you hear the creaking of machinery. I don't kind. Of, I don't really get oh, it. Maybe man. it's pointing out the artifice of the story. Maybe I, I don't yeah. really understand. It. I understand why it was cut because I was just confused. So in the in the final script, uh, in the final airing, the clouds part when you think it's a miracle, then they come back together when it clearly wasn't. In, yeah. in the deleted scene, the clouds part at the end after Bobby says, "I don't remember," and then you hear the creaking of machinery. So that, I don't understand. For an after for a late edit like that, I think that's a real improvement in it. That also isn't super obvious too. Like there's. Not as obvious as some of the 80-yard line. There's a couple times in here I'm like, oh, Hank's mouth moves a little weird there, or so does Luann. Though, I think the mouth charts on King of the Hill characters are so much more subtle than Simpsons characters that it's not as obvious. Their mouths are not 30% of their head like they are on The Simpsons. Also so that, you yeah. Can, you, can easily, <laughs> you can cheat a lot better than you can with uh, the giant maws of The Simpsons. I want to believe that it was... 
Bobby took them out after and that there's no <laughs> that there was no God. But hey, I guess it's up to you, the listener, whether you believe in God or not. Peggy was the God of this episode. Yeah. All hail Peggy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was I was a really fun episode just about like making things and m- making fun of bad writing, but not being so like up its own ass in the madness of it. Like and and just tour to force by Brittany Murphy does like six voices in her Luann voice mm-hmm. like the yeah it's and incredible major babies don't go away uh they come back occasionally like Luann will go through some things she will be in beauty school for a bit then she'll go to college and that won't work out like there are different phases of Luann and then she moves out but major babies are a constant and so there will be more major babies in the future for oh, her oh yeah I I love that they use this bit here of Nancy getting her on TV to then use that as a launching point of Nancy feeling inferior to mm. Luann when she starts taking off off at the, as the new hot thing at, at the TV station. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was our Talking of the Hill Season 2 Part 1 miniseries. Woo! We got through 11 episodes and it's so great. And you know what? The show only gets better and we can't wait to do more. We probably will do more next year. Yeah, I can't wait to start the true ramp up to the Megalomart finale. Ooh. Yeah, but going through this like spotting so many of the of the things they're building up to and all of these like internal references and also like some most episodes touched me a lot deeper than i remembered uh they did like i this made me feel like season two of king of the hill just is other than a few things like peggy and bobby aren't fully themselves yet but season two is pretty much king of the hill mm-hmm. as we know it and it looks so much better than season one we've said it before yes, but yes, uh yes. and you can hear that in our west archer interview he they whipped everyone into shape after season <laughs> one. Oh yeah they figured out both in the la offices and overseas at acom they figured out a whole lot of things for for season two yeah and and that's also been a great thing this season of doing it that we also got to interview west archer and ask him so many of the questions that came up in our research about Mm -hmm. king of the hill too but yeah thank you so much to all of our patrons for supporting us we could not do any of this without you and please please stay tuned again there is so much more happening behind the patreon paywall for five bucks a month including monthly talking futurama and early access and any kind of interviews that we do we'll go there first and special bonus stuff who knows what's happening next but it's all happening on the patreon so please stay tuned and again the next big mini series is coming at you in the fall and we'll be talking about that more as we get into the later summer months Mm -hmm. so thank you so much again all you supporters and we look forward to you hearing us on the next mini series. And before we go, I did want to say a special thank you to our podcast editor for this series. Alan, he's done such a great job on this and we couldn't put out so many podcasts without great editors like Alan. So thank you so oh, much yeah. again to Alan for doing such a great job on this podcast. And as for the rest of you, we will see you again very soon for another podcast episode. Thanks again for listening, y'all. maybe we ought to ask God who's going to win the Super Bowl. Going to win? The game was pre-taped six months ago in the same Nevada hangar where they faked the moon landing. Yeah, man, it's like that dang old Capricorn One, man. It's a good movie, but, you know, they ain't going to fake no staying on the ground like that little doof. They don't need Armstrong.